All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mark Coffey. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, sir. So uh, for people who don't know you, you were a minister in Mechanicsville for how long? 17 years. 17 years. Now, did you do any ministry before that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I was minister in Indiana mm-hmm. in a place called Arcadia, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis for 16 and a half years prior to that. And then I was... But prior to that, I was associate minister up in Michigan for for a church called South Lansing Christian Church. And then even before that, right after I graduated, I was uh, involved with what is now defunct Standard Publishing Company. Oh, really? I didn't know uh, they were defunct. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Christian Standard is still in existence, but the company itself is no longer no longer in existence, and. I was involved, uh, first of all, with the standard lesson commentary. I was a proofreader for that. And then... Was it was that like those gray books that would come out with all the Sunday school lessons? Yeah. So somebody, uh, I don't remember where I procured this, but somebody gave me a whole set of those. I still have them. Good. You know? I mean, it's like... Yes. It's like 50 books yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's a lot. Because it was every year or something yes, like that? it came out every year. And but I was there for, for in that position for a little over a year, and then I moved over to become the editor for the senior high curriculum that Standard Publishing produced back in the seventies and eighties. So, uh, so everybody who's in ministry now thinks they're all legit because they got right now media, you know, with the online programs, and they don't <laughs> even know <laughs> that we've been producing this stuff yeah, for decades. Yeah, uh, but that was that's pretty much my ministry experience. Um, but I also come from a from a background of ministry. My mom and dad were missionaries to Italy, and so I was born really? and raised over in Italy. How long did you uh, live in in uh, in Italy? Sixteen years. Went to Italian schools. English was my foreign language. But that's how I learned grammar. We spoke we yeah. spoke English in in at home, but th- that's how I picked up the grammar for for English. And, so you uh, so your first sixteen years of life mm-hmm. were was in Italy. Wow. Now, did you ever, um, did you ever meet the Fowlers? Oh yeah. Were they over there? Yeah. I, I visited them one time. Oh, you did? Yeah. So when I was at, um, in Maryland, when I was a, a minister up there, one of the things we wanted to do was kind of like, Hey, you know, we send our missionaries out and we send them money. And it wasn't like a, we don't know if they're doing a good job. It's just that like, we want them to know we still think about them. Right. So I was already planning a trip to Germany and I was like, well, can I just stop back through Italy and hang out with them for a week? And, and the church was like, yeah, I think that'd be great. So I got to hang out with them for a little bit. Yeah. They were, they were up further North, um, in a town called Metallica. Mm -hmm. We were on the Adriatic coast down below the heel of the boot in a city called Bari, which is well over a million people right now. Wow. Uh, but it was back when I was there, it was 300,000. Something like that, three hundred fifty thousand. So, did they move back, or did how did you get back over here to the states? My dad died in nineteen eighty five. I I came back to go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Cincinnati, and uh, um, and and then they came back on furlough, and we lived together uh, for for a couple of years, and then they went back. My dad died in nineteen eighty five in Italy. And then my mom stayed another 10 or 12 years, um, trying to remember, she, you know, she came back in nine, February of 97, so a little over 11 years. And um, um, 
she came to live with us, and she lived with us just the last seven seven years of her life. Okay. And so, uh, so after you graduated Cincinnati, that's you said Michigan. You yeah. went to Michigan. Well, Standard Publishing yeah. first, and then Michigan, and then Indiana, and then Indiana. So, how'd you end up in Mechanicsville? It was time to move. I started praying about it. Uh, so it's not like you knew so anybody out here, really. Well. Yes and no, because my dad's from Virginia. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> he 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 grew up um, he grew up in Stanton, Virginia, uh-huh. and he is a Timothy of. I'm trying to remember the name of of uh, of of the church, the new church name now, but it it was Stanton Church of Christ, which was the first VEF plant. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And Eddie Forehand was the minister, and he reached out to Dad and discipled him after um, after coming back from the war, uh, World War II. And um, and he went to Cincinnati, met Mom, and the rest is history. <laughs> um, so how hard was that? Well, I guess not too bad. I mean, if you move from Italy to go to school here, I'm sure you didn't know a lot of people at that point, right? I did because we had traveled. Okay. We'd come back on furlough. We traveled, and so we knew a lot of different people. And a lot of different people knew me because I was Mac and Wilma Coffey's son. I see. (laughs) And, uh, but um, we we just, I I made new new friends, new acquaintances, um, many of them lifelong. You know, we're reconnecting now through Facebook and other social media and stuff like that. The actual positive uh, side of social media, right? What's that? The positive side of social yes, media. Yes, the very positive side of it. And um, <clears throat> and so that's that's basically what the focus has been. And um, but you know, I do have I do have a rich heritage that I'm very very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I never knew that. That's crazy. You grew up in Italy. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm sure that was, I'm sure that's an experience. And I want to go back to talk about, obviously your experiences in the different churches. Um, but you know, as we were talking about before the podcast started, um, you know, one thing that you're super passionate about now is something that kind of came on a little bit later in your life. So, um, you're retired now, kind of, right? Mm -hmm. Seems to be what happens when when people retire. So let's first talk. You retired from um, Mechanicsville Church of Christ as the um, lead minister. Now you're still preaching in churches. So tell us like what you're doing with that. Well, right now I'm involved in a variety of different things. Um, one is I have the privilege of being a trustee over at MacU. Um, okay. So I've, I've been serving in that role for about a year. Which is Mid-Atlantic Christian University. Mid-Atlantic Christian University. And... Um, uh, enjoying that opportunity to serve. Uh, the other, the other thing that I'm doing this year is that I've begun to serve as the pro chairman for uh, International Conference on Missions, which will be held in Richmond in November, uh, the 18th through the 21st, I believe. Hey, so they are doing that. Yeah, yes, I haven't heard much is about going it. On. <clears throat> Do they know uh, where yet? Huh? At Do the they... convention center. Oh, at the convention downtown. Yeah, yeah it's going. Okay. They're they're. They're anticipating that things are going to open up, and yeah. that's what we're praying for. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I get to be a part of the, that that ministry and that opportunity, and prayer being such a vital thing in anything that we do for God's work is, 
it's a privilege mm -hmm. um, and an opportunity. So I'm involved with that. And I'm willing to recruit anybody that wants to reach out to me. And I can give email information or anything like that if that would be very helpful or you can contact me on Facebook or Messenger or yeah. whatever. Or so they can or just, they can hit me up too and yeah, I'll I'll right. make sure to forward that stuff to you. Um, <clears throat> but I'm also preaching right now as as an in an interim role, mm -hmm. just as uh at Northampton Christian Church, uh, as as they're looking for a new minister. And uh, uh it's been it's been fun. It's been fun to be able to do that. And I'm sure there will be other opportunities because Churches do go through transitions, mm -hmm. uh, and so, and a lot of times churches don't plan for those transitions. Yeah, and that's one of the blessings. Like uh, when Chelsea and I moved back down here to Virginia, you know, I wanted to be near, kind of near my my father because I knew he wasn't going to be living very long. I didn't know when. You know, it's not like he had something specific. He just had bad health in general because he ate terrible, and you know, was a previous smoker and had all sorts of heart issues and a diabetic. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, all right, he's not going to be 90, you know? So we moved back down here and one of the blessings is, to me, I mean, it's not even me to the churches, but to me was being able to serve uh, kind of as an interim where I would go, like I went to Liberty back mm -hmm. before they joined with Paul Green to now be Compass. I was preaching there probably like eight months. And then um, Ms. Pa. Mm -hmm. Mizpah Christian Church, I preached out there, and then there was one church out in, like, Charlottesville. I forget their name, but the First guy— Christian in Keswick? No, it was—the guy went to be with the CRA. You know what I'm talking about? Their minister went to, to be, like, you know, somebody with the CRA, mm. so they were, you know, in that interim phase. Little, little country church, wonderful people, mm -hmm. wonderful people. Um. Yeah, I can't believe I can't remember it now. But anyway, so I, you know, I preached out there for a while. I would, I think I would go there like once a month, twice a month. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, it's a blessing, you know. To, so people who aren't in ministry don't understand that it it's like a a marriage almost, you know, for a minister and for a church because it's not. I mean, you're not just an employee. There, there's that intimate relationship that you're trying to build with them to be a trusted leader. And that you you know that you want them to build with you, as well. Um, so you don't want to rush into that. You know, from the minister standpoint, you don't want to just take a church because you need a church. And you know, obviously, the church doesn't want to hire somebody that they don't know is going to be a good fit, right? Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a blessing to be able to do that. Yeah. So, uh, so you're doing that interim stuff right now, um, but you're also super passionate about about health. Yeah. So talk about talk about um, that transition because if anybody knows you, they know that that wasn't always something that was on like the forefront of your mind. No, when I moved to when I moved to uh, Mechanicsville, I was you know here I am. I'm five eleven. I shrunk. I've, I've shrunk an, an inch, you know, due to uh, old age. But um, I was six foot. Uh, I was two hundred thirty five pounds. I came down here with ham sandwiches and fried chicken and everything like that promptly gained to 15 and continued to grow to, to increase as far as my weight was concerned. And, um, it just got to the point where the doctor was telling me, Mark, your A1C is high. You've got elevated blood pressure. I was on blood pressure medication 
and I was coming home after a day of work, just exhausted, and would need to lay down for about an hour, even before supper. Mm. And it just got to the point where I, I realized if I don't do something, I'm going to end up in the hospital. I'm going to not be able to perform my duties. Um, how long? Right now, how long ago was that? Like when that is, sort this of is, uh, this was four to five years ago. Okay, uh, I was I was realizing all of that. <clears throat> and it finally came into focus about three and a half years ago, and um, because uh, we we brought in um, Will Pinnell as our associate with the idea of bringing of grooming him and nurturing him to take my role, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I've got to have it together, and because I, I've got to have the energy to continue. Um, and I was trying to figure out how to do that. And I was also thinking in terms of retirement and those kinds of things. So I came, I met, I met with a guy that just retired, um, and, but he was living on the West coast, but happened to be in the area. And I just said, let's, let's talk about retirement strategy and different things that I needed to be aware of. And as he was talking, he mentioned this whole idea of being involved in a, in a health coaching business. Piqued our interest. Pam and I talked about it. We talked more with the with the individuals and they shared the, you know, he and his wife shared the plan that we're involved in and um, swallowed hard and went for it. And uh, I was able to lose over 60 pounds. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, and the the difference um, the difference in perspective, the difference in energy, the difference in just the ability to get up and start looking at life again in a different, in a different way was, was downright amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, it has become more and more of a passion to me because I've even looked at it from, you know, and, and this, you know, in terms of mindset, but you, one of the things that happens when you end up getting overweight is that it kind of feels like your head's in a fog hmm. and, and, and you're thinking, you know, when you're not healthy, <clears throat> your head's kind of in a fog. And one of the things that happened was I, I woke up one morning and I just thought, man, I can think more clearly hmm. and started thinking about a variety of different things. And one of the things that I started thinking about was, as I was reading through scripture, you know, and God created us in his image, in the image of God, he created man, uh, male and female, he created them, but there's in his image, and yet there's the reference of let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, um, the, 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 the entire triunity of God. And if we're created in his image, then what does that mean? You know, and I know that people get all caught up in theological, you know, uh, hair, hair splitting. But I'm basically a trichotomist for those of you who mm -hmm. are into theology. <laughs> and basically, if God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's a connection with us of body, mind, and spirit. And it just dawned on me that. I was I was really into 
the 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 mind aspect mm-hmm. of reading, of absorbing, of making right decisions, the whole nine yards. I was also into the soul aspect or the spirit aspect of of being connected with God. I, I understood those and I preached them. But every time I got up to preach, there was a disconnect in my life. And it was probably showing in the lives of other people or showing, showing itself to other people that there's, there's, there's an element missing there. And I, that, that was, that was the realization that I had to really repent of. Yeah. You know, that my, that my ministry, even though it has been by God's grace effective, has largely been effective in spite of me. And as I come into retirement, I don't want to just sit back and be in a recliner and just be calm. I want the final years of my life to count, you know, and I, I look at, um, I look at people like Jacob who until his very end was uttering blessings to his children and his children's children. And then the Bible says, and then he got into bed and curled up his feet and died, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and then, you know, uh, then Caleb at age 80 saying, I'm, I'm just as strong now as I was then. Yeah. He's still ready to fight. Yeah. He's still ready to fight. And, and I'm thinking that that's how I want to go out. You know, I want to go out knowing that I have used the resources that God has given me to the fullest. And and so my passion is for preachers because I think that there is a we're missing out, you know, on a on a on a great opportunity. And I I've committed myself as much as I possibly can to help. Well that I mean that's awesome because <clears throat> you know, like you you were kind of alluding to there's different seasons of ministry, mm-hmm. right? And as we were talking about before, you know, we hit record basically on the podcast is my goal with stuff like this is to bring guys who are at that more like veteran status, you know, seasoned ministry um, to help those who are brand new, maybe thinking about getting in or, you know, maybe even have some years of experience, but, you know, okay, you have 10, but you don't have 40, right? Um, to learn. And so, you know, hearing you talk about all this stuff, it's, it's, it's fantastic because, you know, it's a motivation, I think, for other people to be like, yeah, you know what, like, that's okay to admit that, oh, there might be a disconnect there. Or it's okay to admit that, like, hey, I still got, I still got work to do, you know, the work's not done. So there's so many lessons, you know, like my brain's running on on 100 miles an hour right now, because there's so many different, like, tracks that I run a rundown. But let me, let me go ahead. More thing, because I think that one of the things that happens an awful lot in ministry is that, as we face challenges, <clears throat> as we face whatever, you know, um, somebody's marriage goes mm-hmm. goes to pot or somebody else, uh, you know, there's a suicide in the church or something like that, or you deal with conflict with your leadership and different things, whatever, whatever the case may be, the tendency for ministers is that since we don't have anybody to go to and we only have our family is we go back home and the easiest thing to do is to eat. Mm. And pretty soon we find ourselves packing on the pounds. 
and before long we have that disconnect you know? well, and I mean as you as you think about it too most of what you're doing as a minister is sedentary right mm-hmm. you're sitting right. at a desk you're studying you're writing a lesson you're answering emails you're sitting in meetings you're going to somebody's house most of the time when you get invited to somebody's house they're going to be like oh here look I got this food for you or come over for dinner or hey here's some pie you know and like you said it's easy because number one, you don't want to be rude, but then number two, I mean, who doesn't want to have a piece of cake or pie or you know whatever, eat dinner with mm-hmm. people and enjoy? And then before you know it, you know you're eating, eating out three, four, five times a week. You know you're eating pie four or five times a week, and like you said, before you know it, you turn around, and you're like, wow, yeah. And statistically, you're. Um, it, it doesn't mean you can't eat pie. It doesn't mean you can't sure. eat cake. But statistically. And in terms of what what the health organizations tell you is that your your health is determined by you know twenty percent is exercise or thirty percent at the most, but seventy percent is diet. And we live in a highly processed society, you know, with high processed foods and different things like that. Um, which I just heard recently. Some people say that some companies are actually trying to figure out how to how to make people addicted to their fattening foods. Oh, you know, they're gosh. putting they're putting ingredients in there that just make you want burritos. It's the, it's the I'm just using yeah. that as, a, yeah. as an example. Okay, I I can't eat just one of those. Yeah, who can? <laughs> right? You know, and Lay's potato chips. You know, there was an old commercial that said. You know, but you can't eat just one. Yeah, and and there 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 is there is something in there that makes you want more, whether it be salt or whatever the case may be. It doesn't make any difference. And uh, of course, they're in the business to make money, and I'm not uh, I'm not faulting them for that, but I am faulting us for the choices that we make. And and so I think that there is a good balance in terms of what what we need to what we need to maintain and the program that I've that I've become involved in is is a good balance. Yeah, because health is not like for me, right? For for my body disposition, it's really hard for me to gain weight. Like I remember back when I was working out 5 days a week hitting a lot of weights, you know, eating 3500 calories a day, I got up to maybe 160, you know? Like I'm like 145 now. So, I put on some weight but you know, it was muscle, right? Got a little thick, but I could like, that was like, I couldn't get past that. I wanted to get past it. I'm glad I didn't, you know, sort of mm-hmm. a thing. And I wasn't going to go unnatural to get past it. But with other people, you know, they have one milkshake and now they're fighting that for a month, you know, trying mm-hmm. to bring those. So it health is not just a matter of like, how much do you weigh? Right. I mean, you talked about your energy level, the way your mind thinks the you know, your sleep patterns, all that sort of stuff falls. How you handle stress. Yeah. So talk, so talk about that. Like how did, how do you see those things, um, getting better in your own life? Because now you're like in a, in a holistic sense, being more healthy. And it's not just a matter of, Oh, I don't eat, you know, I don't eat McDonald's. It's a matter of like a whole life of health. How does that help those other areas like your stress and your sleep and things like that? It's it's helped tremendously. Um, I, I will tell you that uh, it's it's rather odd. You asked me that question, and normally I sleep just fine throughout the night. Mm-hmm. But I was awake at one o'clock this morning <laughs> and couldn't go back to sleep. Yeah. You know, and I, I went back, and I, it was more of a of a light sleep. Um, 
don't know exactly why, but but it was just one of those nights. Yeah, you know? happens. Uh, but generally speaking, I try to get seven to eight hours of sleep, and normally that is very very restful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think that probably on Saturday nights I get I still get a little, you know, uh, excited about about the next day as far as preaching is concerned. But um, and so maybe it's not as restful. But by and large, throughout the week, that's that's what it is. Um, mindset wise, it it has made all the difference in the world. And there have been stresses that have taken place. You know, I I don't care what what your transition is, but whenever you moved from one transition to the next, as in my case, from ministry to retirement, uh, active ministry to retirement, uh, there is an awful lot of stress involved in that. And, and some of it's good, but it's an awful lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Okay. Had I been at the weight that I was before, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Yeah. It, it just, because I was able to think clearly. And, and I, I can't stress that enough. Um, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world. And I think that a lot of times we get so accustomed to moving around, moving around in a fog that we just miss out on, on a lot of things. And, you know, that, that's been, if there's been any regret, it's been, man, I just, I just wasn't as effective as I could have been back when I was in my thirties and forties and fifties. And, uh, I look back at some of the people that were successful, you know, have been successful in ministry, you know, the Bob Russells and, um, you know, different, different other leaders in, in, in churches. And I've noticed they're, they're healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were, they were, they were fit and trim. Uh, and I, I kept on excusing, <laughs> well, I just got big bones, you know, or the, that kind of stuff. And, you know, your skeleton probably weighs as much as mine does. <laughs> Let's be honest, you know. Uh, but the it was just, you know, we, we have a tendency of trying to excuse, you know, you get to that on your computer, all your excuses are lies. Yeah. You know, my wife hates that. And, uh, and, and that there's truth, there's truth to that. I've, I've, um, and, and an excuse is a, uh, a lie coded with, I, I can't remember the other quote, but it's just something. And I posted it on Facebook one time, you know, mm-hmm. all our excuses are, they're basically a lie that is coded with, uh, with a shell. Yeah. Uh, with an attractive show. And it's just, I just, the, the regret that I have is that I had to wait till I was in my sixties to recognize that. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, God, no matter what we do, you know, you made the statement, um, my ministry was effective in spite of me, you know, God use it in spite of me. I mean, that's going to be true regardless. You know, like we are, we are fallible, right? And so one of the things you were talking about earlier was uh, recognizing that disconnect between kind of what you were preaching and, and what you were starting to recognize about your own life. I think, obviously, we're never going to be perfect, right? That's exactly right. You know, and, and so so I don't want people to think, oh, well, yeah, yeah, there's always going to be a disconnect. No, it's it's not that. But there's sometimes, and I think 
we're all going to go through this. It doesn't, it's not about health or weight or anything like that, but with anything, you know, you have to be self-aware to where when you're preaching and you're, when you're studying, you're teaching lessons, you're also letting that speak back to you. Right. 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 And then, what I just shared is not designed to help, to make people feel guilty. Okay. To anybody, to any listener, you know, it's not, I'm tell, I'm talking about my journey. These are the things that have hit me. Um, but at the same time, if I'm thinking that my suspicion is that there are others who have been thinking it as well. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just simply sharing what it is that that's happened, not to turn around and not to turn around and, and, you know, put a guilt trip on anybody, but to, to say, okay, you know, maybe this is something you can be thinking about if it's speaking to you. Um, because the last thing I want to do is turn people off to it, you know, and say, and, and try to come up with something different. Um, or, or to, to say, well, that doesn't apply to me when in reality it does. Yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of humility. Yeah. You know, it's just a recognition of it. And, um, it's, it's been fun to be able to do that. And it's also been fun to be able to help other people that, um, um, have just approached us and said, uh, I like, I've I've seen what you've done. How how have you, how have you seen your discipline in that area of your life translate to maybe other areas of your life have you noticed anything like that because i mean it is a discipline wouldn't you agree like oh it it is it's it it, it originates from a choice hmm. and and i i the, the the one thing that i've i've been spending time in the old testament lately and the one thing that i that i've just noticed about about the about the Old Testament is that so much of it is there there is a cohesion of of, of life on earth with an eternal perspective there is there's an incredible cohesion with it and what am I doing in light of eternity and and how you know when to the very basic things you know how I'm eating and this and that and the other um, Am I doing it all for the glory of God? Mm. You know, um, but you know, for example, I used to. If I got a if I got a mile in on walking, I was doing well. Um, Pam and I try to do five miles a day right now. Wow! You know, and um, part of it is that it, I don't want my sixties and seventies to get to the point where I'm shuffling around. I want to be able to be productive. And I know that, I know that, uh, that increases blood flow that helps me, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to do some exercises that, that keep me, you know, that are designed to develop my core a little bit more, which I know I need more of, uh, more strength there. Um, and I know that people are saying that, or, you know, experts, Physical experts are saying, you know, your core is really the, it's the core for mm-hmm. a reason. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I want to be able to get out of bed as much as I possibly can by myself instead of, you know, and there are other, there are other things that are going to happen to me physically as my body does get older and is not able to function. But I don't want it to be something that I've generated. I want it to be something that just happens because 
that's the way, sadly, the way of death. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, talked you talk about it, right? I look forward to the new body. As yeah, sure. You know, but, you know, if that was the way that God operated, then, you know, he wouldn't care if we just went off and just allowed ourselves to, you know, be flung into disasters or die by the time we're 25. Like, obviously, he's put his, put us here for a reason and right. for a purpose and to work in his kingdom. And as you talked about, that the healthier we are, and we're not, we're not saying like, hey, you're never allowed to have a milkshake. You know, or you're never allowed That's to have right. fried chicken. I mean, the balance is the key here, you know, and I was just thinking about this last night. Um, Chelsea and I, the reason why I said milkshakes, because we just went and got milkshakes, but I can't remember the last time I had milkshakes, you know, um, but it's that balance where I don't have to regret doing that because I know you eat healthy, you work out, you take vitamins, you know, you're living a healthy lifestyle. So if I have that one milkshake, it's not like, oh. You know, now I have to regret this for the next month sort of a thing. Um, and two, you realize those cravings start dropping some. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's, exactly. isn't it crazy? Like, it's like it's like the same sort of um, pattern. And I'm not saying there's like a complete parallel there, because believe me, I'm not trying to say like, well, you don't have the right body mass index. You're sinful. You know, that's not that's not at all what we're saying here. But there is that that thing that's going on in the brain Like you were talking about that that urge, that craving. And you see that same thing with people who give in to sin. They have an urge, they have a craving, and they go into it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it starts with a matter of a choice, and it's a discipline. It's a daily discipline. Um, it's hard to live healthy. It's not as easy, or else everybody would do it, right? But all the benefits you get from it, the less stress, you feel better, you know, and even like you said, even when you get older, you can function as if you still have an ability to do life. And that's you said the exact feeling that I've had because I watched, you know, basically the the men on my father's side all went the way of, you know, unhealthy, overweight, heart disease, blood pressure, and then die of heart failure. And I always told myself, like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to be. 60 years old, still able to walk five miles, still be able to hang out, still be able to do things and, and, um, and not, like you said, barely be able to get out of bed sort of a deal. So that's awesome. Um, if anybody is interested, you know, Hey, I want, I want to, I want to live that sort of lifestyle. I want to make that change or I feel like I'm healthy now, but I want to make sure that I'm really, really honing that in. How would you suggest they go about that? I would suggest that they go ahead and give me a call. Okay. Because one of the things that we we focus on, and um, we we do this, is that while we work with a company that provides um, opportunity for for developing a healthy diet, um, we also incorporate a coaching aspect, which is free, a community aspect, which is free, where you're around other people, you're associated with other people that are involved in the same journey. And, um, and then there's also an education process in terms of once you get down to the weight that you want, how do you maintain it? Mm-hmm. How do you continue to move toward and journey toward health? Um, the, the, the focus isn't so much of, okay, I, you know, spiritually, we don't, we don't get to the point where you say, okay, I've, re- I've reached, the, reached it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
I was reading an article by Kerry Newolf this morning, and he was talking about uh, elements of pride showing up in your life. And one of the one of the indicators is you've closed the notebook mm. in terms of saying I, I'm there. Yeah. Okay. We never we never reach that. We're continuing the process all the way through. And there is, like you said, there is a discipline involved, but there's also, there are, there's also the journey aspect. You know, sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back. Sometimes it's three steps backwards and two steps forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you, you continue to, to move in that direction. So, um, we have, we have all four components in it. And, um, if anybody would like to talk and, and figure out more about it, I'd be more than happy to talk to them. Um, you can reach out to me to coffeehousehealth at gmail.com. And it's C-O-F-F-E-Y-H-O-U-S-E. And I'll put I'll make sure I'll put that in the uh, description okay. below of the, yeah. the podcast. And, um, or you can call me and you can put my number on there and okay. people can reach out. Um, or check me out on Facebook and mm -hmm. say and message me. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, you know, and if it's not me, then somebody else can help. You know, it, it's not about that. It's not about, you know, do I get the benefit of it? Um, I just want to see other people benefiting. Well, yeah. And like yeah. you said, because it's not just, at, you know, as an individual, you don't just get the benefit. Your family gets the benefit because you're not going to have as much stress. You're going to have more energy. But then also your church gets more benefit because, like you said, you're, you're the fog and your brain's clearing. All that stuff ties in together. So uh, with that being said, I want to go back and talk about your different churches, right? So you were at Michigan, Indiana, and then Virginia. Okay. So w give me like a, a brief synopsis of like, if you could look back and go, here's how I kind of think about those three churches, like the differences, you know, because not every church is the same. So mm -hmm. what, what was it like being at Michigan versus Indiana versus Virginia? Michigan was more of a mentoring for me. Um, and, um, I, I went as an associate minister. I went and, and, uh, spent time under a guy that was, you know, in his late sixties and full of wisdom whom I respected tremendously. Um, but he also was willing to listen to my, um, my youthful, uh, idealistic ideas. And he allowed me to implement some things. And I found out later he took an awful lot of flack over it, but still he let me try it. And, um, which increased my respect for him even more, but it was a, just a tremendous learning time. Um, the biggest learning time that I received probably was, um, we had, we have, twin boys and then we had another son while we were there and he lived 21 days and died mm, uh, but the biggest lesson that I learned also was the value of the church family and I saw why a large reason why not not the only reason but the, the reason why God created the church um, and um, they ministered to us in ways that are beyond description, you know. And uh, um, so that that was that was, and we were there for about four years. 
And, but I knew that I wanted to preach, and so I was groomed for that, and I was, I was given the opportunity to develop it. Um, the, the church in Indiana, Arcadia, was a bedroom community that was transitioning from agrarian, you know, farm community to more of the bedroom community. Um, it still has farming aspects, but um, it was more of a, of a family church. And it made the transition to becoming more of a community church. And um, by family, I mean there were just a few key families in that church, but then it grew to become larger than that. And um, I watched I watched some tough transitions there, um, some some very challenging ones. Um, they were used to ministers being there for. Uh, four or five years and then going or being let go. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's wrong with this guy? Uh, well, I had the example of my dad who stayed with it. You know, he was thir- there 32 years in, in Italy and died there. Um, mom, Mom was there for 44 and... You know, she only came back because she felt like her work was now completed. And, um, but part of her died when she left, when she came back from Italy. And, and so I had that example. And so the long-term aspect was ingrained in me. And, um, I also had learned from people like Ben Merrill and Bob Russell and everything that, you know, you, you don't you don't really become effective until after year seven because you build, you build credibility. And, um, I was committed to that. Yeah. So I want to, I want to drop that truth nugget on people. Cause I agree. Um, and I've read that somewhere as well. You know, if you're, if you're getting started in ministry and I get it, like sometimes you walk into a nightmare and you're like, Whoa, I need to get out of here. Okay. There's exceptions. Get it. But, you know, you get to that year three, four, honeymoon is wearing off for you and the church, stick it out a little bit, you know, because you build those relationships, focus on those relationships, and then, that, you know, you really can start making those changes after that. Right. So, you know. one, of, one of the churches that I was at, um, and I won't, I won't refer to which one it is, about week or month three, something blew up. Mm. And I remember looking at Pam and saying, what did we get into? And we were able to navigate through it. But for a lot of people, it would have resulted in, okay, I'm going to start looking. I'm going to get out of here. But the reality is you're dealing with problems no matter where you are. And chances are you're dealing with problems that have been that that have preceded you by years, which we found out was was the case. And um, it, it's just you write them out. You 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 know you you love on people. You you counsel people. You work through it, and pretty soon they wake up and start realizing you know that really wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And that you had nothing to do with it. You know, you're, you're kind of like on the outside. And, um, but you need to be willing to be committed to it. But 
there's also a sense in which uh, one one of the one of the common terminologies that is used today is having emotional intelligence and the the whole idea of recognizing okay what's going on around me and do i do i how do i react versus how do i respond hmm. and there you know response is strategic reaction is knee jerk yeah. and reaction is always always uh, almost always I'll, I'll just a few there there are exceptions to the rule sure. but reaction is uh, is always almost always damaging so Indiana was kind of interesting. How did you how did you transition to Mechanicsville? We basically came to the point where we were realizing that um, our ministry there had had come to it, it was still going well, but mm -hmm. it needed to go you know it needed to go a different direction. And so um, we started. I started looking. And different opportunities came up from all over the country and. Hold mic a little, closer. a little closer. Yeah, okay. good. Different opportunities came up from uh, various parts of the country, Midwest, uh, far Midwest, uh, Kansas, and a couple of other places. But um, but this one opened up, and um, there was just a you know I, I don't know it was just a connection, and it was a very it's been a very fruitful ministry. I'm yeah. grateful for it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, like, I don't know what it was like in Michigan or Indiana, but I'm sure you probably had the same experience like like I had when I first got connected to the churches in Mechanicsville, is that the churches in Mechanicsville are all connected with each other. Yes, know? very much so. You know, and I, so. I don't know if that's the case everywhere, you know, I mean, like the different ministers getting together, or the youth ministers doing youth events together, or the different congregations all kind of being interrelated and stuff. So was that new for you, or did you kind of have that experience before? No, it, it wasn't new. There was, there was a good fellowship in Indiana. Um, I had, I had good, good relationships with the, with the ministers in the area, uh, by and large. And, um, you know, there were those that kept to themselves, but there was good interaction, um, amongst, amongst the ministers, even, even those from, you know, different tribes. And, um, which, which was, which was healthy, you know, for the community, mm -hmm. um, where they didn't see churches picking at each other, that kind of thing. Um, still speaking truth, but not picking at each other. And, uh, so that, that was, that was healthy. Um, and there were also in Indianapolis, there's a very large contingency of churches and, uh, there was a great minister fellowship there uh that that went on so i was i was accustomed to that um and and really enjoyed the fellowship that was here um so what was it like um as far as like you know being in mechanicsville you know you have two different churches now under your belt you got some time as an associate you got some time as a lead minister you know you're, you're pretty decent amount of uh, knowledge and experience at this point. So was there any different mindset coming into that church than there was earlier on going into the other churches? I don't know. I, I Gosh, that, that really is a hard question to, um, to answer because I, I haven't really given that much thought to it. It was, 
I just saw some needs here in terms of what could be mm -hmm. um, and what was desired. I also saw the challenges that were there that needed to be navigated through. And I think that we were able to navigate through a significant number of the challenges. Um, I still think that what could be is still down the road. Um, and a lot of times I, I think that one of the things that I've, that I've, I, I think that one of the things that I brought to the table was I when, when, when you're in the thirties and forties, there's, there's a tendency to want to, oh man, I got to I got to do it. Okay. Um, when you reach 50, you start saying, you know, I need to do what I can, but God's got to do it in his time. And I think that that was the lesson that I learned. Um, and that I was able to bring to the table and a little bit more of a, for lack of a better term, just more of a calming spirit throughout the congregation. Like it doesn't all rest on you sort of a thing. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 I don't want to pat myself on the back on that because it's not, it's not about me. It's about, it's about what God does. And um, one of the things that God taught me was you, you know, that there's, there's that passage in first Corinthians that says, you know, uh, I planted Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. And I think that a lot of times in ministry, we think that, you know, we're the ones that need to get the increase, that need to see the increase. We need to produce the increase or else we're not being good stewards. And what God wants is for us to be faithful with what it is that he has given us and to continue with what it is that he has entrusted us and, and let him produce the fruit. Let him, you know, because he, he's the one that produces, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You know, the branches don't produce fruit. It's the vine connected to the branches that produces the fruit. You know, in terms of, well, <laughs> you need to be willing, okay? Sure. Uh, and 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 that's what John fifteen is talking about. You are you are you drawing your nourishment from the vine? And that was something that I had to learn. Do you think some guys view maybe a season of their ministry as a failure because they think that success means? like the mountaintop experiences or seeing the numerical growth or seeing the good times. Absolutely. And, yeah. But that is, that is so American culture driven that it's unbelievable. And it is to some degree, it, it can very easily become idolatry because mm -hmm. we start worshiping the product rather than the producer. Man, that's and, good. And and we 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 for, we forget that it's God that is working in us and through us, and that we're doing His work, and that we're focusing on Him. I think that one of the reasons why we have heard of so many people in ministry who have fallen of late is that they became became enamored with what they were doing, that they forgot that it was God doing it through them, and. Uh, 
you know, all of them heartbreaking. I'm not, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to be judgmental in the sense that my heart breaks for, for the, for the countless lives that are, that are shattered because of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's so true, you know, as ministers, um, we, we look at ministry as like, like a business sometimes where it's like, we have to grow it. We have to expand it. We have to, I mean, not necessarily like make more money, but you know, money's obviously an element to it, but you want to make sure you can, you know, Oh, I need to plant that church. I need to build that building. I need to get more numbers. I need to do this. And it's like, you forget sometimes that God may be calling you to an area that's not going to respond positively, but that's for his, still for his glory, because it's his justice to be able to say, I gave that area a chance, you know, to hear the gospel and they rejected it. So I think that that can be an encouragement to guys sometimes not to, not to think it all relies on them and to redefine their, their term of success, Mm -hmm. you know? So you talked about having to navigate some, um, some difficulties I, I mean, not just at Mechanicsville, but I'm sure, like, obviously at all the churches. You know, there's, yeah, like you said, there's always there, there were difficulties so. in every church. There were significant uh, difficulties that could have resulted in the congregations actually splitting. Hmm. Um, and, um, you know, um, the potential is always there because Satan's always at work. Um, you know, so... And I think that one of the things that I've come to the conclusion of is um, that maybe my role in the kingdom has been that wherever I've gone, I've been able to help bring people together, okay, to, to, to be more focused and to unify. I, th- I think that's been something that, you know, I don't know why, but what, what do you think are some of the things that you, you've been able to do to help, whether it be a leadership team, you know, in a church or even a congregation to stop or not, you know, kind of like nipping in the bud, you know, like, oh, you guys are starting to go down this path and we're going to bring it back to where we're, we're trying to bring more oh, harmony. Man. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. Um, I, I don't know that there is anything, any one thing in particular. Um I remember one one instance where um, people were dead set uh, against one of our staff members, and uh, like a new hire, or they had just become embittered. I'd rather not go okay, into detail on that because I don't want to. Yep, yep. I, I would end up pegging. I got okay? it. Okay, makes sense. Um, but but uh, and. Something I said, you know, at a meeting just where I said, I am committed to that person. And if you come to me about them, just know I'm, I'm, I'm going to relate, relate to them what it is that's going on. It's so important. Um, I would say a lot of churches now are, are getting to, you know, multi-staff. I mean, there's been churches, obviously, in the past, but, I, I, you know, I see a lot of churches, especially in our brotherhood, moving towards that route. You know, you're going to have multiple people on staff. And it's incredibly important that you spend time as a leader building that team cohesion because mm-hmm. that's the first thing that Satan's going to try to attack is if he can get your staff 
to be pitted against one another, well, then that's just going to flow down into the church. And I think I think that even, I'll, I'll take it a step further, staff and elders, mm-hmm. because a lot of times the traditional view in most churches is that uh, whoever you have on staff, there, there's the staff and then there's the elders. And that is not the case. Biblically, that is not the case. You know, um, I, I believe that this is my opinion. Okay, so you may disagree with it. And That's why I brought you on, Mark. <laughs> to give <laughs> you my opinion. I think I believe that the the senior minister uh, is a paid elder. Okay, not the elder, not the pastor, but one among many. And and part of that is that. Day to day, that's exactly what he does. He pastors the church, but he's the point man for the other pastors. He he is the one, he's the spokesperson, and it's not that his ideas are the only ones that come out, but it's the collective. And as as a as a senior minister, you you reflect and you encourage and you build up the eldership just as much as you build up the staff. And if people can see that the leadership is cohesive, I mean, the sheep will follow. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's that, not a derogatory term. No, you know, no, no, like, no, no, not at all. Because that's the analogy that, that, that Jesus uses, mm-hmm. you know, as far as we're his sheep, we're the, we're the sheep of his pasture. Uh, and, and, and so where, <laughs> where he leads, we go, you know, and if the, if the leaders in the church are following Jesus, then the congregation will follow and that's what they want. That's what they need. That's what they desire. People can feel like disharmony. Have you ever walked into a church and just felt the vibe? You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I, I've been to some churches before where you just walk in and you're just like, man, this place is dead or this place is like, you just cut the, the, what do you call it? The tension, um, tension with a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, you know, and then other churches you walk in and you're like, man, this place, you know, it feels good here. You know, now, of course, obviously there's always going to be little things going on, but we're talking about degrees of like, same thing with health, right? You're always going to have little parts of your, your nature that you need to, to hone in, whatever. But are you overall healthy? Are you overall dysfunctional? And um, churches have a have a spiritual health to them, and it starts with the leadership. Yeah, you know, I one hundred percent agree. So, was there ever um, was there ever any times or programs or things that you tried to pull your staff and elders, or maybe just staff, or maybe just elders, or whatever? But your leadership, like trying to get your leadership to come together and build that team mentality, learn together, like like leadership principles. You know, what did you do to help try to develop your leadership? Number one, I would spend time with them. Um, I, I tried to, you know, one of the things that I told the congregation was that the elders are my best friends. And I tried to nurture that with them. Um, and um, one of the blessings that we had, and this is something that I just miss. The one, you know, if there's one thing about ministry, about full time ministry that I miss, uh, is we would have monthly elders meetings here at Mechanicsville. We'd have it at our house, hmm. and we'd have a dinner, and then our meeting, 
you know, and, and it was a great, great sharing time. Uh, were there disagreements in the middle of it? Yeah. You know, um, did everything that I propose go through? No, but I knew, I knew that those guys had my back and they knew that I had theirs. And I'd get to refer to that on Sunday mornings whenever something was appropriate to the, to the, to the topic that I was, that I was dealing with or to the scripture. And I get to refer to that. And I think that that brought a deep sense of peace among the people in terms of them knowing, Hey, Mark and the elders are on the same page. Yeah. You know, when I, when I announced my retirement, I specifically asked the elders to stand with me because I wanted the congregation to know this is a mutual, something that we're mutually supportive of. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is the right thing for the church and the, the right time and everything like that. It was just so critical to go ahead and model that. Um, and I, I think that a lot of times when, when we find ourselves dealing at being at odds with the, with other leaders in the church, we can get so caught up in, well, this is right, that we forget the kingdom perspective. You know, am I, is this is this about me or is this about God? Is this about is this about the well my personal well being or is it about the well being of the kingdom? And and God's kingdom it's got to win out all the time because if we believe that God is in control, then we be, need to believe that He's going to be in control of our lives as well as we submit to His will, as we do what He wants. And he blesses and mm -hmm. he bless and he'll bless us. You know, maybe we'll go through some uncertain waters, <laughs> but you know, that's I, okay I, too. Yeah. And you know, that was, that was when I, when I made the decision to retire, just, just a real practical thing. I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? financially you know it's just yeah. looking at it from that perspective and because uh, i'm one of those guys that didn't um didn't build a 403b you know mm -hmm. the way i should have and um or retirement and uh you know most most younger guys are i'm, I'm grateful are are planning on that um and they're they're being more foresighted uh on that. But, um, I, I asked that question and I can tell you, you know, nine months in things are good. God's always provided, you know, um, and I'm, I'm grateful. When you, um, when you guys brought the associate on, what's his name again? Will. Will. Mm -hmm. Will Pennell. How, Beneficial do you think that is for both the church and for the new guy coming in to have those like few years, three to five years of that transition time? I think it's huge. You know, if you can find a good fit, um, I, I think it's, I think it's incredibly beneficial. Um, 
and it involves an awful lot of give and take, you know, uh, but, and, and there's, there's a lot of dynamics involved in that in terms of how ready is he, how ready am I to step away? You know, all those things, you know, because let's face it, there, there is part of the reason why we like ministry is because it boosts our ego. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I'm a pastor of a church. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minister of, of this size church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, getting the strokes from people and different things like that, that that's ego boosting. And even standing on a stage on a Sunday, you know, and having a hundred, 200, 300, a thousand or whatever people listening to you, that's always an ego boost. Yes. It's, it and is. it's not like, we just talk about that in a sense of just be careful. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not... It's not wrong to have a a feeling of like, man, that feels good, right? But it's when you start letting it then become, this is mine, right? That's when it's negative. So did you guys have like a step, kind of a step progress where you would be like, okay, we're in phase one, then phase two, then phase three. And now we're getting to a point where like Mark is pretty much like ready to just hand the reins over. Or was it like a hard break? It was... um I had originally put together a transition plan that called for me to retire at 68. And um, so it was much longer term because I just kind of envisioned that I'd I'd be okay, you know. And as we were going through the transition time, um, there came a time when Pam and I just really started asking the question, you know, is it time? And um, God in his grace, um, we, we, we did, we did some very serious prayer and fasting over it. And there was, there was a, and, and we did it at separate times. And it was very interesting because, uh, we pretty much agreed on the date or the time that we would do it. You know, I, we, we talked about a couple of options Ham came back from her prayer and fasting time and said, I think this is probably better. And I had come at it from a different perspective that pretty much settled on the same thing um, of what would be best for, for the church. Now, when we made that decision, <laughs> this was just before coronavirus. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we made the decision in 2019, okay? And then coronavirus hit. And we went into shutdown in March. And we opened back. And I had already announced in December of 2019 that Mm. I would be retiring on June 14th. That would be my last Sunday. And uh, so, you know, that was kind of humorous in terms of God's sense of humor. And we took it in stride and everything. And it was just it was perfectly fine, you know. But what was interesting was that, th- that we were able to open back up the first Sunday in June. Oh, okay. And and we did it with social distancing yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. like that. But uh, so the last two Sundays we were able to be together with with people and uh, and say goodbye. Um, you know, there were other plans that didn't materialize, but that's that's okay. You know, yeah. it, it's not like you went back to Italy. You're still here. Huh? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you still got to say hi. But, but it was, but it was still, it was still a blessing. It still was. 
how how would you if you were still full time leading a church like how would you think you would have navigated the coronavirus? Would you have done anything different? Did you see any like glaring mistakes that churches were making, or do you think people were doing pretty good overall? What do you what do you kind of assess that at? I think I would I would say to anybody. I think that one of the things that has happened as a result of the coronavirus is that there has been a refocusing on what is really important. Hmm. There has been a need to refocus on what is really important. And we have begun to realize just how important community is. So true. Okay. Um, that, that is one aspect of the church that too many people say, you know, well, if I'm gone a week or two, you know, all that kind of stuff, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. It does. God has created us to be a community. The body suffers. And I don't know that anyone has done it improperly. I think that every church has made willful decisions, but they have been decisions based on the collect what the collective leadership has has decided together and said, okay, we're going to do it this way. And, but they've prayed about it. They're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to balance the, the need to meet versus the need to, um, to be safe, you know, at the very least. Um, I, I, I do believe that personally that in some areas, uh, there is something bordering on government intrusion in some areas, not everywhere. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Um, but I don't know that I'd do anything differently. Um, what I do know is that Satan has used it to divide the church a lot of times over, well, I can't believe that you would go ahead and meet in a church that doesn't require masks or I, I don't, you know, I, I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe that I can't believe that you would go to a church that requires masks because this is of, of the, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And so here we are dividing over masks when God has called us to fight the enemy. I know. Well, and that, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, there's always the potential for any of these issues to, go down a bad path or a good path for us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the good thing for the church to focus on is like, hey, this is a chance for the church to show the world and to remind us that we need community, right? And we hopefully have been building that community before coronavirus, so that way we can be that light to the world and say, like, look at how we're able to kind of, you know, come together and support each other through this pandemic. Rather than, like you said, um, condemning each other, whether, you know, you want to wear a mask or I don't want to wear a mask or you're going to get the vaccine. I don't think vaccines are good. You know, like all these tertiary issues, while they are important, sure. And they have their area to be discussed in. As far as Christians go, you know, we're supposed to be unified and we're supposed to be the ones who are showing love and grace and tolerance to each other. 
And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, one of the podcasts that I did last summer, I think it was around the summertime, you know, it was like Christians and social media. And I was basically the point of the podcast was y'all need to calm down. You know, like just get off of social media if you can't control yourself right now, because all you're doing is like, let me throw gas on the fire and walk away. And that's not that's not conducive to anything. It's not beneficial. Um, yeah. So I would think that hopefully by this time, you know, our message is one of going like, hey, look, you know, we need to keep the main thing, the main thing and not get off on, on a lot of rabbit trails. People can have their individual opinions, obviously, but this is this is such a fundamental time for our country and we need to be showing them something more than we act just like you. We just go to church on Sundays, sort of a deal. Um, right. I think I think yeah. that you know just but just at the same time, I also want to stress this that this has been probably the most excruciating time for guys in ministry. Yeah, um, I'm part of several um, ministers groups on social media. And um, um, I'm, I have heard and read of guys that are basically saying, if I had something else I could do, I could go to, that would be able to provide for my family, I would leave in a heartbeat mm. because of the embattlement that's within the church. And, you know... I just preached this. I just finished a series on Ephesians um, in um, over at Northampton, and the thing that we've got to remember, you know, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers and the rulers of the dark forces of this world, and and Satan himself, who is operating through them. And I think that one of the things that we need to remember is. Okay, I'm going to get political. Oh, here we okay. go. Biden's not Satan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, pick Trump is not Satan. No one politically is Satan. Satan is at work in people and through people. And we need to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. The people are the ones that were called to rescue from the pit of hell. And I'm sorry, I'm preaching now. I know no, that, but it's all good, man. <laughs> but that, but that's that. That's the that's the thing that I think we we tend to forget, and we need to keep that in front of people. You know, as as ministers of the gospel, that's what we need to keep in front of them. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that um, if somebody's in ministry right now, I'm not sure if they're going to go through a crazier time than the past year and a half. Maybe they will. Hopefully not. They might. You know, maybe. Yeah. I, I hope not. I hope they'll look back on this and be like, wow, that was like the you know craziest season I ever went through. But if you could um, kind of leave some parting advice or wisdom, you know, if you were like, hey, if I was there, you know, with you right now or at your church or on staff or whatever, here's what I would say to you. What, what sort of advice would you give to the guys that are in ministry, whether they're an elder or staff member, whatever, you know? To say, hey, here's here's something you need to to do to navigate through this season right now. 
<laughs> oh, wow. And three hours later, you're going to close out, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> the very first thing that came to mind when, I, when you asked me that was just a summary of all the commands that Jesus was asked to do. Is you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And everything hinges on that. You know, if if we focus on truly loving God by putting Him first in our ministry and asking God, what do you want me to do? Well, just a little just a little side note on that is I, I read um, back in several years ago, Paul Youngie Cho was very, very popular because he was the pastor of a, the largest church in the world in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, I think they were running, I think they're running four, three, 400,000 is mm. what they were running. And here he was, the, the senior pastor of it. And I read a book of his, and he talked about how he would spend the first three hours of every day in prayer, seeking God. You know, I mean, let's be honest, guys. Uh, most of us have a hard time doing 20 minutes, you know, and most of the time the, the prayers have to do with God, give me this, God, give me this, instead of seeking after the heart of God and wanting to know him and praise him and worship him. And, you know, every, every minister I know would tell you my, my, my personal time isn't what I would like for it to be. And, and I, I think that you got to love God. You got to seek him. Um, and through, through study of his word, through prayer, through, you know, through all the spiritual disciplines, um, but you got to love people too. And the fact that God loves me in spite of all my flaws, in spite of all my failures, should motivate me to love people with grace because he has poured out his grace to me. And if I, if I am incredibly judgmental of people that I just dismiss them, then I haven't understood grace. I have not understood love. And I've become, in many ways, kind of like the Pharisees who have just... Yeah, look how good I know, am. And look at how you, good I am. And all and you little sinners. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that's a constant struggle in ministry. You know, when you pour yourself into the Word and you become passionate about what it is that you're going to preach... And then you look out at other people and on, on the way out and say, well, that's a good sermon. I wish so-and-so would have heard of that. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to lash out to them, but how many times have we thought that as we're preparing that message? I sure hope so-and-so hears this instead of God, what are you trying to teach me? Yeah. And that there's, there's that mirror of reflection. And, um, so I, I guess that would be my, yeah, I, I, it's so incredibly important, you know, when you're in ministry to realize it doesn't all rely on you, you need to be 
the leader of that, you know, that quiet time with God, because as you said, as you do that, it helps you to kind of rise up out of the drama, whether it be what's going on in our nation right now, or even what's going on in your church. You know, it's easy to get that tunnel vision, you know, when you're in a church and thinking like, oh, all this drama going on and forgetting about the larger aspect of the kingdom and all this stuff that's going on. So, man, great advice. Um, great thoughts. Thanks for sharing, Mark. We appreciate you, go, you coming you. on. And um, again, if anybody wants to contact you, I'll put your information, you know, in the description of the podcast, or they can hit me up and I'll get them forwarded over to you. Okay. But thanks for sharing, man. Okay. Glad to, glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you.